Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Frank, released in 2014, starring Michael Fassbender, Dom Gleeson and Maggie Gyllenhaal. If you haven't seen Frank, heads up. That's kind of a joke because it's about a guy wearing a paper mache head. But heads up, we will be speaking about it with spoilers in mind. So watch Frank before listening to this podcast or forevermore have it spoiled. I say tell everyone everything. Why cover anything up? Right? How to describe Frank? One, two, three, four! Well, there's the head, of course. He never takes it off. You think it's weird? Would it help if I said my facial expressions out loud? Welcoming smile. Delighted look. But what goes on inside the head, inside that head? I find this inspiring. Is music. Something is pressing something is! People should know about you. You should be famous. Flattered grin, followed by bashful half-smile. Stop saying your facial expressions out loud is extremely annoying. You've been offered a really important gig, South by Southwest, in Texas. People are interested in us. We could be big. What game are you playing? Filling Frank's head with these bullshit ideas? I can't hear you over the sound of the bubbles. Someone needs to punch you in the face. Here we go. It's gonna be huge! You gotta come see us tomorrow night. I promise we'll be bad Frank's not okay. Frank, come back! With all his issues, 100% sanest cat I've ever met. Okay. The head. Take it off. I have a certificate. My most likable song ever. Coca-Cola, lipstick ring, go dance all night, dance all night. Kiss me, just kiss me, kiss me, Nephrodite. This is your most likable song ever? Yeah. People will love it. Lloyd, uh, the reason that I went for this movie, when I saw the trailer, I thought it looked really interesting. And uh, it has taken a while for me to get around to seeing it now, but the actors... For me, Michael Fassbender and Dom Gleeson are attached to really interesting projects. I just want to run through a couple of them. Look, Fassbender's been around a bit longer, but he's got uh, Magneto behind him, his role in Prometheus, which we've covered on the podcast. He's going to be Steve Jobs. He's playing Macbeth. Blue People Away in Shame and Inglorious Bastards. Whereas Dom Gleeson is in the new Star Wars, uh, Ex Machina. And we About Time, which we reviewed on the podcast as well. I feel like both of them are destined for big things, and I thought this would be a really interesting film to look at. Absolutely. And uh, you just enlightened me there. I didn't know it was pronounced Dom Gleason. I thought it was Dommel. <laughs> uh, I think it is. I'm shortening it. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's Brendan Gleason's son. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I was a bit prepared for this movie. What I would have liked to have seen was not knowing anything about this movie and just being shocked by seeing that head. And I've got to say, I still was. The first moment I saw Michael Fassbender's character, Frank, 
I was like, wow, you know, that what is this? I, the whole film is a comedy. It's an absurd comedy, but I found it to be a very serious drama as well. And I think this has all the marks to be a cult classic, great movie. Um, more time has to pass for that to come, you know, to fruition. But I, I think the director, um, the Irish director, Larry, if I can pronounce his name, sorry, Lenny Abramson, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I think he is an amazing talent. He did an incredible job with this film. I'm still, I only saw this a couple of days ago, rented it on iTunes, as you said, Dave, and I'm still trying to come to terms with what I saw. Like, um, you know, and the uh, there was so much positive reaction to this film. I actually read a lot of, I, I tried to zero in on a lot of negative criticism. I just wanted to see what the other side said about this film. And it's pretty interesting. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll listen into some negativity. What have you got well the big thing what some critics wrote is that this is a hipsters hipster film it's a very like i think lenny abramson was a very cruel to popular music because the only example of pop music or music outside of the world of frank is when they go to that parlor that pancake parlor in america and you see that (laughs) band play and that's a really i disagree with him as well like there is really great music in popular music but i don't think it could exist in this film to make it work um and i i guess just frank and that whole group are just too um snobby i guess there was a whole uh sense of um um elitism. i don't know elitism with the with the film i guess but i i didn't personally get that i i saw this film as a group of people that are mentally sick but they are a beautiful group of people that need each other and the main character that Dommel plays um, is us he's the outside world um, the a middle class kid grown up with a great family that enters this world you know and he ultimately destroys them through his um, ambition you know like he is a uh, that that from that generation of social media that uses twitter that uses youtube and he's got this strong ambition within him that he wants to be frank you know as good as frank and be embraced by the popular whereas frank's group um they they don't care they just want to make music you know as much as they can that's what gives them sanity that's what gives them life there's you know great layers to this film i take a little issue with that just i enjoyed the film as well but i think that just the characters of don and frank were the only two in the mental institution i feel like though the two french people and i don't know that she was french but he was they don't get any backstory and they're very much cardboard cutouts in the background but they sort of went away to making it seem like clara who maggie gyllenhaal played she was very threatening and maybe seemed insane, but she was just protective because she knew the truth that, you know, uh, there was mental illness within the group. So she seems less crazy, I think, on rewatching it, knowing all the facts. She's protective of him when she says, you know, we need to get out of here, we need to get out of here. And when she's in the alleyway with Frank, you know, she's calming him down. I feel like she probably wasn't mentally ill, but she may have had a relative or something you know she understood it more she maybe was related to you know don or something uh i don't know you know what a prequel would tell us about how she got into the group but i just thought she probably didn't come from it's scary how she spotted dommel a mile away like the threat of john and what he is she just x-rayed him so much um i was kind of disappointed that 
um he he never could improve like you know when he fi- when he finally does get his moment to shine and he sings his song and it's so funny how frank collapses and he goes the music shit yeah that was great <laughs> it's interesting like you say john who's his character's name uh, is is the outsider he's also us he's our window in it's the same sort of format as almost famous and rockstar in that you know, someone whose life is boring and who aspires to something gets this glimpse into this world and by the end of the film is no longer a part of it anymore. You know, they had their moment, their 15 minutes of fame. They sort of decided that that wasn't for them or, you know, it was given up for them, I guess. I I don't think John is a good character as well. Like, he's a good guy. Like, he does give him all his money, but I think... The, the best scene is when... Oh, the, the key scene where I don't think he's a good person is when Scott McNeary comes in. He goes, oh, I used to play keyboard as well, and he sings a song. And the way... And this is credit to Dommel, who does a brilliant job here. The way Dommel is looking at him... Sorry, John, is looking at Scott McNeary play the keyboard. There's this huge sense of envy and frustration and anger. It's, he's constantly going, why can't I do that? And that ambition within him... Although it looks like it's a it's a good thing he wants the band to be embraced by the outside world, I don't think it's a good thing in the end because he does destroy them. But in the ending, as you say, it does bring them closer together. Like Frank doesn't have his mask off anymore. Um, you know he can he can sing, uh, and and it's a beautiful moment by by Michael. All credit goes to Michael Fassbender, I think, where he's crying, and you really do like if you watch the movie again and you think about that that you have that image of Michael Fassbender crying. You constantly you know see him crying past that mask. And everything he plays, like he pours so much emotion. Oh, I've got to say, the music um, by uh, Stephen Renix, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, I think is absolutely sublime. He did an amazing job. Not only did he have to do the score of the film, he also wrote the music the band played, and it sounds um, like something that could actually be a cult hit, you know? It's it's an absolute wonder. Like, I really want to get this album and listen to it again. <laughs> yeah. I sort of was thinking as they're doing the, you know, genius music in the, um, the place they rent, I was thinking, like, is this going to be the kind of thing that becomes a sound in time? Like, you know, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character's playing the theremin, I think it's pronounced. You know, stuff like that, just like his real indie hipster stuff, like the critics are saying. Yeah, I was listening to the sound and the stuff gets stuck in your head, doesn't it? That final song that he sings. Absolutely. Where he says, I yeah. love you all over and over again. Like it's, um, I thought the the most popular thing he ever wrote, like the most mainstream thing he wrote was hilarious. <laughs> and that, the, the whole character was based on Frank's side bottom. I don't know if you had a chance to go, um, YouTube that name, the comedian, but the mask is like, obviously the film has taken huge um, liberty, uh, you know, emulating that style into the film. But um, I don't know if you saw any Fra- Frank side bottom. I watched a couple on YouTube, like some little comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's got that done. similar music style. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting since we are John and John is kind of a villain in this, like he's the one that ruins the band and everything. Does it make us the villain? We're watching it. We feel sort of sorry I, that I, all this is happening. I think so. I think um, we're the modern world. And unfortunately, the group of people, Frank and his group just can't conform 
to the mainstream. They just can't conform to modern society. And I think that's what the whole film is about. Like maybe John is us and we're just a cruel world that can't cater for these mentally uh, mentally challenged people. Like there yeah. is no place for them in this world. So they have to put themselves in this urban I- I- isolation. And although they're in isolation, they're really happy. You know, they're making this music. And that's what Maggie uh, Gill- Gyllenhaal was striving for she just wanted to make music and be happy and unfortunately in this modern world there's no place for them you know Mm. it was funny when um john first starts saying so he never takes it off you know (laughs) he he eats through a straw he must have a really bushy beard (laughs) that's us asking all the questions (laughs) how does he brush his teeth you know all that stuff when that's happening you're like asking all the questions as the audience and he's like you know you're just gonna have to go with it you're just (laughs) you're telling the audience just don't worry about it this is get over this and you can you know you'll be fine yeah that austin powers moment about time travel oh no i've gone cross (laughs) yeah exactly when you think about it this is the only bit that really bugged me was when you know uh, he's asking him about it and he's saying normal faces are weird too when they cross the border to do their gig or whatever he says i have a medical condition yeah shows his paperwork i still think they would require a passport photo or something yeah, yeah. to verify absolutely like his passport photo wouldn't be the paper mache head <laughs> you know I, I I feel like it's an error for me to say these are mentally challenged people I I don't mean saying that I just mean that these people are different like um they, they just can't conform to the mainstream and we we've all met people like that that, that there's just something they're not they're not on the same frequency as everyone else and it's just such a a tragedy that our modern civilization for all its greatness and wonder with technology and everything like that can't cater for these people you know there is no place for them sort of thing it's uh, i think it's a wonderful thing in the film these these group of people frank are very beautiful in their own way and i think there's that small moment where the german family comes and Frank, um, we don't know what's exactly said. Frank can, all of, can speak German, takes the lady to the side and talks to her and she starts crying. And there, there's just this, um, you know, as corny as it might seem the scene, but there's that little glimpse that these, are, these people have a very beautiful soul at heart and that old lady found something there. In a way, it's the best handling of mental illness since like Rain Man because yeah. it's sort of uh, showing, highlighting, you know, skills rather than taking a negative approach. And they sort of, it sort of points out that there's this line that they're straddling between, you know, genius and insanity, I suppose. And as well, when Frank says things like, you know, he encourages people to go to our furthest corners, you know, which was a really catchy line, you know, that got repeated throughout the film. It's kind of like a Tyler Durden speak, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of like a genius philosophical thing going on. You know, it's it's glorified throughout the thing. I, you know? I envy it so much how John met this group and he, he just gave up his job and everything and was just thrown in there, put all his money into it. And I love how the film takes time to show the creation of the music, the many months of hard work, the lack of food and money, the seasons, you know, going by, and Frank's desire for perfection. Uh, it remi- reminds me of a lot, a lot of, uh, like, David Fincher movies. Like, most filmmakers, when it gets to the hard work bit, like the working out, or the, sorry, the training for a fight, or the research into a project, like, the filmmakers usually cut ahead, and then, you know, they're already there. But, like, David Fincher doesn't jump cut. Like, he shows 
shows you like especially in zodiac social network and girl with the dragon tattoo shows you the research the hard work the trial and errors and makes it exciting and i think frank succeeds in that as well like the passing of the seasons and the set piece becomes dirtier the instruments seem to weather the clothes seem to get more gritty and all the faces of the cast you know grow they grow beards they get dirtier and everything like that like i just loved how you lived in that space with them like the uh, 11, 11 month reveal of the beard was great where he's like you know the closest to the laptop and he's got a beard <laughs> that was fantastic i wanted to know if the album like uh, they recorded on tape i just wanted to know what happened with that album like why didn't they yeah. have cds with them giving it to everyone like surely somebody would have spotted it i don't know yeah well uh, i they kind of had this you know our musicians sit and record sessions and they're like the berlin sessions or whatever you know it felt like they were just doing a weird collaboration thing that wasn't necessarily an album yeah well after scott mcnary died like the whole album thing just ended you know and like i'm like yeah. oh, i wanted to see something you know i think it's scoot mcnary but yeah oh, i was scoot mcnary i wrote scott mcnary <laughs> damn it <laughs> yeah, that's all good one thing that um i did look up was his twitter i don't know if you had a look throughout the film he's posting as john burrows 83 um or at john burrows 83 and you can look it up it's a real twitter no right? way so, so i looked it up disappointingly it wasn't done in real time i would have loved it to be across the 11 months that you know the film was being made or whatever or pre-production that they did 11 months worth of tweeting as if he was in you know out there isolated but instead it it was active from february 27 2014 to june 2nd 2014 and it has 2935 followers at the time of recording this so you know it's sort of may that they start recording or proper re properly rehearsing and then june the tweets are out that you know they're doing the album it was really more of an afterthought i suppose the whole twitter handle yeah as a i think promotion. they came up oh you know it would be a great idea it's interesting having all the twitter talk and icons i think it'll severely date the film i don't know if it was a good thing to have in the movie because a lot of people actually don't know much about hashtags and how they work um but personally i loved it like because i i'm so into social media with twitter obviously and everything like that seeing it up there in a movie is just like wow you know uh, but i can't imagine like say my dad watching the movie he's 81 he wouldn't get it he'd just be like oh what's all that you know so it's interesting they went in that direction to show that i don't think it spoils the movie or anything like that like if you don't understand twitter i don't think it's too much of a loss if you don't um if you don't get and watch it but you know it's interesting how much of an emphasis they put in the movie another thing they put a lot of emphasis in in the movie is whether or not he's going to take off the mask there's that great scene where he comes in after he's recorded a song and he finds the head and he's like oh my gosh the head is off he's in the shower and he comes in to find <laughs> he's wearing a second head underneath plastic in the shower and then there's that moment where, uh, and suicide is a real, you know, theme in this film too, uh, where they find Don, he's hung himself, he's wearing the, the spare Frank head. For a moment, of course, you think it's Frank. You know, maybe he's killing himself after they've finished the album and then, you know, it's like a, this will be my legacy, you know, because if when musos die, just like actors, you know, the last things they did, everything's very valuable. Just look at Jeff Buckley, you know, everything that there'll never be another album by this person you know everything they had to say was right there in that album you know 
just the fact that the original keyboard player, like Lucas, it was a bit of a warning of things to come. You know, he's trying to drown himself. And then you find out Don was a, a keyboard player. And of course, our lead, John, is a keyboard player. And it's this like, is history going to repeat? Yeah, the it's like the, that spinal tap moment uh, analogy where the drummer just keeps all of a sudden dying and they have to keep replacing the drummer. You know, a little bit of that layer there. In terms of Maggie Gyllenhaal, he has to call her a C-word in order to get affection from her. <laughs> he's uh, he's regressed or, I don't know, evolved into some kind of um, muso now. He's got a beard, he's all, you know, smoking, and he's, like, embraced the atmosphere. He looks so different to the, the Reese Darby-looking look he has at the beginning of this film. You know, we find out about his online postings that he he's, has this whole agenda you know i think that's like you say that's part of this generation where we we share everything we go oh this is what i ate for dinner i'm at this restaurant yeah. i'm at this whatever, and, and there you know. is that um narcissistic aspect of social media that everyone always brings up that the the desire to be seen and wanted and loved you know mm. um yeah and he accuses her i suppose of being in love with frank mm. you know in the the spa and, and afraid as well yeah and that, I mean, they're sort of, that's their face-off scene, really. And she says she finds him disgusting, despite what they've just done. It's a really well-acted little scene. Yeah, I found it, um, uh, some of the criticism I read, that was over the top, but I found it a very human scene. That, you know, the spur of the moment thing, the anger and frustration. Sometimes anger creates the best sexual experience, you know? Like, um, uh, you know, um, just that those two forces colliding against each other in that very moment and culminating in a sexual act but in in the end they still hate each other there's no sort of relationship there you know i like it how he asks do you think frank's you know gonna be worried about us for now what you know as if there's gonna be a relationship from them he still doesn't quite get it <laughs> yeah did did you find this film really funny like did you find yourself laughing at lots of bits i did i enjoyed it when she stabbed him too as promised you know you kind of knew she was going to do it. I loved it when he got hit by the car. Like, yeah. Frank gets hit and he's just looking at the thing. And just the way it's just set and shot, um, you just don't see it coming, him getting hit again. Like, oh, man, that was hilarious. And if you're listening to the film wearing headphones that you've rented it off iTunes like I did, you're hitting with the car is a jumping moment. <laughs> like, it's unexpected despite the fact they're on a road. Look, I, I thought the most likable song ever was hilarious. The whole Coca-Cola, Ringo, Kiss Me, Dancing Legs <laughs> business, you know. For me, the interesting stuff was the unplugged gig where he's so desperate to be seen and people are yelling chinchilla, you know. This is the best day of my life, he yells out, you know. And Frank saying the music is shit was hilarious. As well, the fact that he, like, put on another layer, like that dress, you know, to... um even further weird out you know so sort of hide some more like i don't know and the makeup he drew onto the mask it was yeah that for me was like the highlight of the film and it really shows you how awful um the character is john because the scene afterwards he's angry with frank that's understandable but he has no understanding of helping him like he wants to tear off his mask 
Frank's very clumsy. You know, he needs to be fed. He doesn't know what to do. It's clearly a man in need of help. I'm talking about that scene in the hotel room. Yeah. And he just doesn't get it. Like, he, he he's so angry with Frank. He wants to destroy him and take off the mask. He's like, and that whole scene, I was just like, man, you're, you're a terrible person. But that's us, you know. We're, we're just sick of these, these weird people. And there's that um, scene at the diner. Uh, where John has that conversation with a fan and he says, come on, man, Frank and Claire are freaks. Uh, really gave off John that understanding of the situation that all his help to bring the band uh, popular recognition was not a good thing. The modern world is simply laughing at them like as if they were a freak show and they never yeah. appreciated the beauty of the band. The band They're all a joke to them. Yeah, yeah, they have that inability to... Con- they can't conform to the mainstream and everyone just sees them as a joke, you know. And that ending, oh my gosh, that like blew me away when he walks in um, with Frank, you know. It's just so well done. I, um, after the experience, I think John is changed forever. I think he'll go back to the UK emotionally richer and wiser and I think he'll mature heavily and I think he'll settle for mediocrity that musically he could never really do it. Like, And I think Frank and his band... Uh, forever changed as well i think the relationship between frank and claire has been strengthened because of this experience i think they will find their musical voice and i think ultimately frank's greatest victory is that as i said before he he doesn't have to wear that mask anymore it's a beautiful ending and whether they become popular or not it doesn't matter the whole point of that scene i think is that they found each other you know their their purpose like they found each other that, that's my main emphasis sorry <laughs> yeah do you think he was tipped off by a Twitter account of the location of where Frank was during his hashtag find Frank business? Do you think that Twitter account was Frank oh. saying, you know, come see me? Yeah, but I, I, I don't think it was because I don't think Frank is um, technologically capable of going on Twitter or social media. And I think the main scene is when he grabbed the iPhone and he's looking at the numbers. He goes, oh, what does all these numbers mean? Yeah. So I don't know, or it could be the uh, the dad or the parent, the mum. Yeah, true. I found it really interesting that at the beginning you've got this mystique to, um, you know, Frank, and he seems like some kind of genius, and you know, you don't know anything about him, and as it goes, layers are peeled back to find out that, and in the end, he doesn't have the mask; he's just a man. He didn't have any horrible childhood experience to make him really good at at music, you know. Uh, the character of John keeps thinking about this, you know, he doesn't have any horrible childhood experience or something that scarred him, something that, you know, messed him up and made him artistic, I suppose. He doesn't have anything to say. Whenever he goes to write a song, he's got nothing to say. Uh, He's not living his life. He's just trying to be something he's not. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And look, I suppose him living with his parents, you know, you could see Frank... Putting on the mask, he did become something that people looked at him differently, you know. And uh, Lloyd, to quote the mask, don't we all wear masks, metaphorically speaking? <laughs> I suppose as well, if you think about success, he wanted them to be famous. He said at one point, you know, people should know who you are, Frank. You know, that's great. You know, you're genius or whatever. He wanted him to be popular, really. But he wanted his own popularity too. He didn't want that desk job, you know, that hashtag nom 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 boring life he had and it's interesting because the contrast between him and frank they had almost the exact same upbringing like you saw 
fragments of John's family and it's a nice middle class family and then you saw fragments of Frank's family and again it's a nice um uh as you said a nice um middle class family as well but um Frank just has that musical talent within him and I think that's a frustration that John faces he just doesn't get it like he wants to be as good as Frank but uh you know the the, the talent and the, the the voice forms from the soul i guess and which i don't think john has any <laughs> at this stage he hasn't developed any no I suppose. yeah he hasn't matured he, yeah there's that telling line where uh they say he wants to live off your talent like a tick you know which is sort of true it's a good description apt description at the time um what do you think of the viking funeral where they put the mannequin leg on and they burn the guy <laughs> I thought I thought it was tragic and sad and it really showed um like the whole time I was thinking I was like they can't burn a body isn't that illegal you know what yeah. I mean like surely that would uh you know cause some uh notice from the authorities like surely but I I went with it you know obviously <laughs> and then when they um scatter the ashes it's not even his ashes <laughs> yeah and I mean, there's been lots of ash scattering scenes. It's good Big to see Lebowski, sort of, yeah. Yeah, try and do something original. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you're right. The ending of the film is what saves it. If people weren't enjoying the film, I feel like, you know, wow them in the end. This film, at the end, you get the raw emotion of Michael Fassbender, the, uh, the bringing the band back together, the identity being revealed to uh, Clara's character. He's able to sing with them. They give him the microphone. They accept him. They make music together. You know, they work as a unit. They don't need success. They're playing to an almost completely empty venue. And always their their band names are completely unpopular bunch of letters that you can't pronounce. Yeah, it's an impossible pronunciation. Did you have a, do you want to have a fame, go at pronouncing yeah. it? No. <laughs> Soren Puffs. <laughs> yeah, but they're playing as like an even worse bunch of letters when he finds them after they don't have Frank. But yeah, they're willing. What I love about them, they love the music so much, they're willing to play in an empty room. And that that's the big contrast between uh, John and them. John needs the love of the outside world. Well, they don't. They, they just need each other. And they're quite happy making music. If they're popular, so be it. Like, um, I, I really wish the other two um, characters in the band were more defined uh, because they seemed so integral to that group that, uh, you know, they have to, there has to be four of them. And I, I think they were very attractive characters, but we just didn't know enough of them. Yeah. And I feel like uh, they never really filled the void of Don after he died. They never properly honoured him. They just, I suppose he was dead and that was that. No one really mourned him, you know, beyond doing the scattering of the ashes. You know, there was never like a, this is for you, Don, or like a, there wasn't like the thing that started them out on this journey. He was just like, he helped them finish the album, or I suppose they finished the album. And then that was it. Like he was just sort of, there's a, a hole in the movie. And it would have been good if like the the two characters we know nothing about that just had stepped in with some kind of story or filled in some blanks or, I don't know, uh, helped us out. But I suppose we can, as an audience, we can imagine the rest ourselves. And I didn't dislike it anymore for that. Just um, I was enjoying having Don around, I suppose. Yeah. No, same. He was sorely missed when he went. I was just like, oh, and the way he died as well. I was like, oh. 
Yeah, and the whole time he's talking about how he wishes he was Frank and he he remembers when he sat down to write a song and it was shit. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, yeah, it was just like, and he sort of is the guy that brings John in, you know, um, who suggests, you know, that he come along and all that sort of stuff. Look, it was a surprisingly great little indie film and I'm, I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, just, same. I hope more people go, go and check this movie out. It's it's really good it's funny it's tragic it's sad it's beautiful there's so much character in it it's it's really good the director's working on a film called the room or i think it's just room and uh it's it's wrapped so it's all completed based on a best-selling novel my wife read it she really liked it i cannot speak for it myself yeah i heard the um, book is phenomenal yeah um it sounds really interesting from what i've heard although i've had some spoilers so i won't uh i won't speak of it I feel like Michael Fassbender is going to have an Oscar one day. Yeah, like it's amazing his rise to to fame. I, I, I know Quentin Tarantino talked him up heavily after Inglorious Bastards. And, you know, he was he played a bit role in Haywire with Steven Soderbergh and Soderbergh um, talked uh, a, a lot about him. But, man, I, he is an incredible presence, an incredible actor. He's got the looks. Um, he's got every card in the deck you can hope for. And he can sing. Apparently, he is a phenomenal singer. Um, the band in this movie did all their singing, and it was all live on takes. Um, I, I didn't read too much on that, but that's what I heard. I'd, I would like to. That's why I really want to get this, uh, the Blu-ray edition of this movie to see if there's any behind the scenes of how they did that, the, did the multiple takes, um, because I think that would be really interesting. I understand there's also a couple of audio commentaries from uh, cast and director, so that'll probably, uh, you know, kill any mystique you have left about the <laughs> film and uh, wrap it all up for you. Yeah, again, I only saw this film a couple of days ago. I, I would have loved to have had time to see the, you know, to watch it on Blu-ray and listen to all the audio commentaries to discuss that, but uh, it would take me like weeks to formulate a really big opinion on the movie because this movie really did blow me away you know i'm still scattered here (laughs) yeah no it was great thoroughly enjoyed it um if you guys want to find it allegedly it's on netflix um i don't have netflix so i can't confirm that that might just be in the states but it's definitely available in itunes and um probably everywhere else videos are sold uh, you can check out more episodes of our podcast at podmeifyoucan.com. Uh, new ones every week. We've also got a YouTube channel that features obscure films uh, with famous stars in roles you've never heard them in. They're ones that you'll find in $2 stores and ones at the end of their career or the very beginning. Ones that you just won't associate with the, the actors at all. So go and check out like a forgotten gem and find out why it's forgotten with our reviews on the YouTube channel. And uh, you can find all kinds of links to follow us and get in touch with us and rate our um, podcast in iTunes. Uh, all at podmeifyoucan.com. Lloyd, a pleasure to talk. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 